so we, we, are, uh, we are in our third week of this series called Joy to the World. We're actually taking, we've been taking a look, and, and I can't do too much um, sort of recap from the other weeks, but we've been taking a look at the, the book of Philippians. It's made up of four chapters. It's written by the Apostle Paul, but he's in jail at the time. Not like a light jail that we would think about where you got a nice cot and you got some Wi-Fi and you're doing a thing. No, it's like he's in the worst of conditions, yet he's writing a book to us and to a church that he planted at the time, but but he's writing unto people, Christ followers, this uh, this story, this message, this letter, if you will, of how to have joy how to keep your joy, how to maintain your joy. And so last week we talked about joy killers, some of the things in our life that can be joy killers. Today we're going to talk about joy killers as well, but we're going to talk about it specifically in the realm of relationships. Uh, Most of the time when I preach, I get up here and I preach a sermon. Of course it applies to all of us, but usually there's people in the room that it's like impacting more than others, or there might be some in the room that it really doesn't even apply in the season that they're in. They're just like, yeah, it's a good word and it's the truth, but it's not really affecting me. But I can tell you this, all of us in this room today have a relationship that is hindering your joy. Don't say amen. Don't bump somebody. I'm just saying... I'm just saying, all of us, it's just something that we're constantly contending for and battling in is relationships. And I think part of it is because uh, the enemy knows, our enemy knows, that it takes relationship for us to do what God called us to do. As a matter of fact, the Great Commission, which we've talked about quite a bit recently, is all about go out into the world and relationally make a difference, have a relationship, connect with people, you know, baptize them in the name of the Father, but that all happens relationally. And so the enemy is going to be like, what, we, what should we do? Well, we should get people to hate relationships. And some of you inside are like, amen, I've been trying to get people to say that. I don't want friends. I don't want people in my life. And um, I have a group for that that none of you know about. I'm in it. I'm the leader. No, I'm just kidding. And, uh, and, and, and because that's what the enemy does. He's trying to just take that relationship strength out of our life. And then we've been talking about how joy is our strength. The scripture says that the joy of the Lord is a strength that we carry. We got to walk in this joy. And so Philippians chapter two, uh, starting with verse one actually starts, it's Paul again, he's writing. Now, again, you can read all four chapters uh, of this book on joy. Uh, You can read it in like 15 minutes. You could literally go home and sit down and read all four chapters and and hear what Paul says about joy. But in this one, he specifically begins to give us some examples about how relationally we can protect and keep and have joy and walk in joy and share joy. And so we're going to check it out in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. He says this. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, he says this, then make my joy complete. Okay, how are we going to make this joy complete? How are we going to do this thing? He says this, by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. So let me just paraphrase all this for you. What he's saying here is like, look, if you're into the things of God and following God and the mission of the gospel and the, and the oneness of Christ and the comfort of his love, if you're into all of that stuff, which we all are, he says, here's one, here's one of the things that matter when it comes to completing your joy in all this. He says, here's what it is. Here's one of the things that you need to know that completes all this. And he says, it's your ability to be in unity with one another. All of the, I love God, you love God, we love God, we love his ways, we love all these things. All of that stuff matters. But to complete the thing, to be able to make this thing come to its full existence, you got to be able to walk in unity and oneness among one another. 
And that's the part where you're like, oh, great. We're two minutes in, and I'm already, I'm already opposing. But he says, look, you got to be like-minded. In, in the same love, being one-minded, one spirit, you got to be in this thing together. And I'm the first person up here to tell you, like, I get it. Like, I'm, in the, I'm rowing the boat with you that relationships are complicated. To be able to do this, to be able to have joy, to be able to walk in our assignment and all that God has called us to do, it takes relationships. It takes friendships. It takes work, really, all these different kind of components to relationships. I get that they're complicated. I mean, you've been having the perfect day. Just having the perfect day, and then a person comes into it. <laughs> right? It's just, you're just having the best time. And then a person, uh, my pastor, uh, who I grew up with, and this is terrible, uh, but he used to say this about ministry. He'd say, man, ministry would be so great if it wasn't for the people. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it's so true sometimes in any situation. He said, man, that would be so great. On paper, that seems so great. It's the beginning of what he's saying here, Philippians 2. If oneness and love of God, all this kind of stuff we can get with, but then you get it down to the nitty gritty part, which is like, but, but you got to do it together in oneness and in unity and relationships. They're complicated. It's hard. For me as a pastor, to be honest with you, I'm put in an unfair situation on a daily basis because statistically, I'm guaranteed on a weekly basis to have relational strain. It's impossible for me on a weekly basis to get up here and talk for 30 minutes and expect all of you to completely agree with me, right? It just it doesn't happen. So I know that at the end of every sermon, much love, see you next week, I realize that I'm not in perfect unity and sync. And, and then on Mondays, when I open my email, I, I get evidence of it <laughs> at times. Are you with me? And so relationships, here's another thing that makes it unfair for a pastor. And this isn't a, this isn't a woe is me. I'm just, I'm just opening up my heart to you to get you to see that I understand how complicated relationships are. Here's why it's even harder for a pastor is because you're my family. I love you. When I get up here, I don't see this as the pulpit of the man of God, even though I understand that and respect that. This is a living room. You all just came over to my house, and we're just talking about what God's doing in our life, okay? So I love you deeply. To do this job properly, I have to love you deeply. To the point that, like, weekly, I pray for you by name and your kids. Are you understanding what I'm saying? But then what happens to me, just statistically, this is bound to happen Guess what happens? People leave me. Can you imagine that? People leave the church. And guess what they do? They don't even tell me. So I'm sitting here praying for your kids, and I'm praying for you by name, and I'm praying for your jobs, and I'm praying for you. And all of a sudden, as I'm praying, I'm starting to realize, you know what? I think, I think so-and-so's not here anymore. I think they didn't even tell us, which is hard for me relationally because I drop everything at, any time to help. I marry your kids and I counsel, right? I meet with you whenever you need help and go through Christ and oh, I'll be there and I meet with you and I'm available to you and I go deep with you, right? And then the minute that something doesn't work for some, they just leave without telling us. And it hurts deeply, right? It would be easy for me to say, well, you just got to get thick skin, pastor. You just got to get prepared for that. You just have to be ready. No, that's where it all starts to go wrong. When you say, I just got to get more callous. I just got to get more hardened of heart. Are you understand what I'm saying? So I'm just being very real with you right now that this is the road that I process is that to love deeply and to do what I'm assigned and called to do, I have to relationally always put myself out there, but also knowing 
that I'm going to get hurt and it's going to go wrong at times. Are you with me? I said all that to say to you today. Every single time you should put yourself out there and you should love deeply, even if it's going to go wrong for you. Not just because the pastor does it that way, but because Jesus modeled for it to be that way in our lives when it comes to relationships. Okay, we're all on the same page there. So it's hard. It's hard. But even look at Jesus' life. Jesus, the scripture says, even in his hometown, among his close relationships, he, he didn't even perform miracles because of the relationship things that were happening in that situation. We're not given a great explanation of it. But he's saying, hey, like sometimes in relationships, things get weird. Uh, you also see that all of his disciples ended up what? Turning their backs on him. So he's raised these people. He's poured into these people. He's given. He's loved all these people deeply. And at the time that he needs them the most, they deny him. They turn on him. They leave him. But what did he do? He still gave himself deeply from the beginning. I know many of you are sitting in here. Well, what about boundaries? Wait, 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 pastor. What about? We'll get to boundaries at the end. But we're talking about loving people the way Jesus did, which is he knew because he was all knowing. He knew there would be hurt in relationships and he loved and gave anyway. Are you with me? So we got to be careful though, because there is joy killers in relationships. There are things that happen and experiences that we have that are joy killers and God has called us to joy. I wrote down a few um, just to, again, give us perspective on relationships, knowing how complicated they can be. I wrote down a few types of joy killers when it comes to relationships. These are relationship type killers. Um, you guys ever met the hammer? The person who they just come at you swinging the hammer and all they want to do in your life is just bust something up. I mean, you're just going about like, here comes the hammer and they're just ready to, and then they're gone. They don't care about helping you or resolving anything. They just want to come in and hammer some stuff up. How many are you with me? What about megaphone person? Do you know megaphone person? They are loud and they don't stop. Just always telling you to, I guess this is just me. You're all looking at me like, I don't know any of these people. Can I move to your, you know, anyway. Megaphone. It's just loud and they don't stop. They don't listen. They're just loud and they don't stop. And they got something to say and something to say and they're loud about it. And they got, are you with me? Megaphone person. What about the downer? The downer relationship person, the, the Eeyore. Like, oh, I'm so glad it's summer. Oh, my mom loves Eeyore, but she's uh, the Winnie the Pooh character. She doesn't love that as a relationship type. But the Eeyore person, the Eeyore person, like, oh, thank God, it's summer. Finally, it's summer. You know, we're so great. Oh, the snow is gone. It's summer. We can take the kids to the front. Yes, but there's going to be bees. <laughs> the mosquitoes are back out. Like, oh, my gosh. Just, so you got the, you got the just always just something to be negative about. The volcano people. You think everything's going fine, and then all of a sudden they just erupt on you out of nowhere. Any volcano people in your life. Just, you're like, what did this come from? Space cadet people. This is a person I can't handle. You're, you're talking to them. You're interacting with them. And it's just nothing, nothing. Lights are on. Nobody's home. Yeah, this long conversation with them. And then their response has nothing to do with what you were just talking about. You're like, I don't know what world you came from. Space cadet person. The silent treatment person just out of nowhere. All of a sudden they're mad about something. What happened? Are you mad? Like, are you, you're not talking anymore. Just all, all of a sudden, no, we're the silent treatment person. Oh, my favorite here. We all love this person, the nitpicker. Just always the smallest, stupidest thing they got to just nitpick you at. So you're doing something. And it's like, oh, yeah, 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 all that stuff. 
Uh, but, I, but I didn't notice. I didn't notice. Oh, you noticed? Probably because you were looking. Because that's all you do is look for stuff. Are you with me? So you're just talking, and you're like, yeah, yeah, that, that's probably about two miles away. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's about 2.4. Noticed you got that wrong. <laughs> Needed to nitpick you on that. Like, oh, my gosh, the nitpicker. The crybaby. Oh, how many of you know some crybabies? You didn't do this for me. Wah. You didn't. Nah, nah, nah. I need. Nah. <laughs> you can tell I know some crybabies. <laughs> and then the garbage collector. I wrote it down as the garbage collector uh, because they're the people, they just collect all of the bad things. You're 40 years old, and then they meet with you. They're hanging out with you. Do you remember that one time in kindergarten? Like, no, of course I don't remember that one time. And they're, and they're just always collecting all of the garbage against you. They're joy killers. You can be going along in life, and they're joy killers. And what I've learned, though, is that we always have a part to play somehow in these situations. It's easy to say that person's fault or that thing is the reason or this thing. And so therefore now I'm going to defend why I'm going to do this. But I think when we start to look at how the Apostle Paul uh, encourages us to, to be in relationship with one another, we can look at like much of our relationships actually are our responsibilities. Amen. So what we do here is when these joy killers come in and things come into our life, um, the enemy wants to get us to do this, which is isolate and avoid. Oh, here comes the garbage collector. Here comes the crybaby. I'm just going to isolate from all of it. I'm sick of it. Boundary. I'm going to isolate and I'm going to avoid. And we all know, and you've heard me say before, the first thing that God said in Scripture was not good was when man was alone. When you lived in a place of loneliness or isolation or avoiding, God said, hey, that is not good. That's not how you're created to live. You're created to live in relationship. Amen. I'd say it like this. God advances his kingdom through people. Therefore, relationships matter. You want to be a part of the kingdom move of God here on earth? You want to be a part of what God is doing in your community? Then you have to learn relationships. You have to learn to have joy and connection and fellowship and friendship because that's how God moves the kingdom forward. Look at all the different ways in scripture. He used different kinds of people groups. Uh, you could see he had some in his life that were three. He used a number of three that was close. And then he had 12 disciples. And at some time he gathered uh, 70 at one time. We also know there was 120 at certain times. There's all these different numbers and levels to relationships because Jesus understood that there's power and levels of relationship. Are you with me? So we have to figure it out. Think about this. Even the very Trinity is about relationship. So to say, I'm going to avoid, I'm going to isolate, I'm going to do it on my own, I'm going to shut everybody out, you're going to go Elsa on it. If you think you're going to do that, you're completely missing the way God created you. Even literally the Trinity is about relationship. Are you with me? Write this down. The quality of your relationships determine the quantity of your joy. The quality of your relationships determine the quantity of your joy. I think it goes both ways. I think you can have all kinds of relationships in your life that are killing your joy and they're ruining things in your life. But I also think you can have the right relationships giving you joy, building you up, holding your arms. Are you with me? So we got to get this right. So four points for you, and then we'll be out of here. Point number one is this in relationships that we take from Philippians chapter two. Point number one is this. You have to check your motives. 
When it comes to your relationships with people and how we interact with people, point number one is you have to always check your motives. Verse three of Philippians chapter two, he says this. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. This is, this is where, you know, we just got the text where he said, be in unity, be of one mind, be pulling on the same thing. And then in verse three, he says this, here's how you do it. You do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking for your own interest, but of the interest of others. So you got to check your motives in this relationship. Am I being high opinionated? Am I walking in selfish ambition or vain conceit? Or am I actually stepping into this relationship, preferring and considering the other person? He's saying that's how you walk in the joy. I know y'all love this right now, don't you? You were hoping how you come in and hear that sermon about how I can get those people. You know, this one, we're looking at ourselves today. So we're looking unto the interest of others. And so I would say it like this. Here's the problem with America. Here's the, here's the disservice that we're doing in the way that we engage in relationships. You are created to love people and use things. You are created to love people and use things. But I believe in our culture, we love things and use people. What, what can this person do for me? Should we go to this? Should we be a part of that? Should we serve this? Should we? I don't know. What will I get from it? Instead of having a proper motive and saying, can I prefer somebody else in that situation? Is there a way that I can help somebody else? Is there a way that I can? Are you with me? We got to love people and use things. We're way too much on the spectrum of, of just using people and loving things. Are you with me? That's why 1 Peter 4.10 says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to do what? Serve others. Not to be right, not to create a platform for yourself, not to be able to make it all about you. Whatever gifts God has given to you, you should use that in a way that it serves others. That's how you keep a healthy relationship is, is you just, you be motives pure and you serve and you love one another. Amen. Don't worry, I told myself in the morning I wouldn't get a lot of amens out of these, so I'm okay. <laughs> point number two, point number two from Philippians chapter two is you have to check your attitude. So you say, isn't that the first thing? No, motives and attitudes are, are two different things. You can go into something and, and you have the right motive, the base is there, but you could walk right into that thing with a terrible attitude. Are you with me? So check your attitude. Point number two in a relationship is you got to check your attitude. Verse five says this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset, or you could say attitude, as Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, he was God, did not consider equality with God to be something used to his own advantage. Ooh, we sure don't do that, do we? Once we learn a few things and we develop a little bit of wisdom and we get a few tricks in the back, then we start walking around about how good we are saying, no, you need the attitude of Christ here is even though he was God, he didn't use that to his advantage. It says, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made into human likeness. Instead of walking around haughty and high opinion, look at me, I'm God, look at us. He said, came in with humility and the right attitude. And he said, look, how can I be a servant here? How can I make this situation better? How can I love people better? How can I give of myself to make this better? Are you with me? I'll say it like this. <laughs> Most relationships aren't bad. Your attitude is. 
it's not that the relationship can't work. It's not that the friendship, it's not that the boss to worker, the coworker, it's not that the relationship can't work. It's just that your attitude won't work. I'll say it again over here. <laughs> it's, it's not that the situation can't work. It's just the attitude that you're trying to work it in will never work. So we got to go, okay, how would Christ approach this? Well, he doesn't approach it hard. He comes in ready to serve and be humble. Are you with me? Our attitude should, should be just like Christ. I thought about it like this. People say, well, you don't understand how bad they've been. You don't understand how many times they've messed up. You don't understand how many times they've taken advantage. Well, I'm so glad that Jesus didn't use that as criteria for when he loved me. You don't understand how many times Josh messed up. You don't understand how many... It says have the mind of Christ. The way that we base these relationships and, and how we love people and how we engage is the same as Christ, which is what? All loving, all forgiving. All, are you with me? Believe in the best and serving. Man, that's a hard one to swallow. But Jesus modeled it for us. Again, most relationships aren't bad. It's our attitudes that are. How many of you have ever had a fight go like this? I don't know because Jess and I have never gotten a fight before. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so how many of you have ever, the, the end of the fight just ended up sounding something like this. I'm sorry. N- none of that is really meant what, meant what I meant. None of that was really what I even really care about. I was just having a bad day or I just, and you basically explain the fact that you came home with, or you brought into your relationship, a bad attitude. It all boiled down to somewhere you got sour and you turned something else into a big deal because the relationship is not bad. It's our attitude that we bring into it is actually what destroys most relationship. So I'm telling you, if you went to work with the mind of Christ tomorrow, you guys are like, I hate him so much. (laughs) If you went to work tomorrow, if you went to work tomorrow, literally like, you know what? My bad attitude is the problem in this. It's not that this relationship can't work. It's not that this can't work. It's just I got a bad attitude about this. So instead, I'm going to bring into this the mind of Christ and see how it goes. How many are with me? <laughs> so uh, it's important for us to get that right. Number three is this. You need to check your spiritual health. Your spiritual health matters in relationships. How much you've been putting into yourself spiritually really matters what you're able to put out uh, when it comes to relationships. uh, So point number three, check your spiritual health. Uh, Paul goes on to say this in verse 12. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. He's talking about your spiritual health with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill good purpose. We're called to work out our own salvations. Can I say it to you like this? I believe most relationships get wrecked because you're spending so much time trying to work out somebody else's salvation for them. I got to fix you and you got to do this. And you're spending all of your energy trying to repair and get this right and get that right. And the scripture is saying, hey, what you need to do to keep unity and one-mindedness, be a person who's focused on making sure your salvation is being worked out first. You guys are loving this today, aren't you? (laughs) But so much 
uh, judgment that we feel and pressure that we feel in relationships is because you're wondering, oh, what are they? What am I not doing for them? What are they not? What are they not going to be happy with here? What? Are, because we put all this pressure of fixing, manipulating, and forcing people in relationships. When I believe, if we just had ourselves salvation, our own righteousness, if we spend our time looking at ourselves, how many are with me? I believe our relationships could heal and come into the place that they need to be a lot quicker. That's why look at literally Jesus modeled this for us. He understood that spiritual health mattered. Again, he's God on earth. And the scripture says that he still withdrew from people often. Why? To make sure he was spiritually full. Again, we could sit here and debate he's God and all knowing, but he still withdrew to what? Spend time with the father and to refuel. Are you with me? Uh, my favorite uh, is Scott Hope, and we ride dirt bikes. He does this all summer long. And um, Scott, he's a phenomenal dirt bike rider. And so normally when you're riding dirt bikes and someone's going around and you don't hear them for a while, you get a little worried because that means they either crashed or they're hung up in a tree somewhere or something. And you're like, oh. And so often with Scott, he'll be riding, and he's such a good rider, and he knows what he's doing. And, and so he's riding. And so oftentimes in the summer, all of a sudden you won't hear Scott anymore. I'm like, oh, man, but he also likes to repair jumps and do all these things. So sometimes he'll take a break and whatever. And so all throughout the summer, all of a sudden, then finally you see Scott coming. He's all sweaty and he's pushing his bike. Like, dude, what happened? And he's like, out of gas again. I'm out of gas again. <laughs> he just runs out of gas. He's got, he's, the one thing we have is like tons of gas cans. <laughs> we have all these gas cans. And he runs out of gas and he pushes it all the way back from somewhere. And how um, you know that bike works a lot harder when it's not filled? sweaty he's exhausted he's run himself out of gas and it's the same thing in our life so many of you right now are pushing through life with no gas because you haven't spiritually filled you haven't worked out your salvation are you with me and then you're mad at all the relationships you're, you're so hard you're not going so hard this really no you you have not spiritually filled yourself are you with me Point number four, I'll do this one really quick, and then I have an illustration for you at the end here. But uh, point number four uh, is show genuine concern. We have to be a people who show genuine concern in relationship. Not, not to take from people, not to get what you can get, but show genuine concern. I believe in this world of busyness, we've lost the word concern in people. Uh, it's, we're going too fast. I can't take time to ask you how you're actually doing and show you concern. I can't take time to actually hear your story and your pain. And your, Are you with me? But, but I love what we see here in verse 19. Paul says this about Timothy. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I may also be cheered when I receive the news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because he is a son with his father and has served with me in the work of the gospel. Paul's basically saying here, like, look, I can't wait for you guys to get Timothy because he's so good at genuinely loving you. Wouldn't it be awesome in our lives if people thought of us that way? Oh, I just can't wait for you to meet, insert your own name, because they genuinely care for people so well. We know a few people like that. Like I could mention their name and you'd be like, oh man, they're, they're the kindest, aren't they? They're so sweet. They're just the best. To genuinely care for something. So he said, I can't wait for you to meet Timothy. Why? He's not about his own interests. He's not about his own thing. He genuinely cares for you. I want that to be said about our lives and our relationships is, oh, insert your name. Man, they genuinely care for you. Are you with me? So I got this table with me and uh, I'll have Scott. Uh, yeah, I can catch it. Or you can bring it up. There we go. All right. So I got this apple here with me. And I decided for me in 2020 this year, I'm going, because I'm, you know, 
I'm not going to deal with joy killers anymore. I'm just not going to have it. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I'm setting boundaries. So I'm going to put things in my life this year to make sure I don't have to deal with joy killers. So um, I brought it with me here today. And so I've just made a resolution that I won't tolerate joy killers anymore. And 2020 is my year to not deal with stupidity. And, uh, and so here's what we're going to do. No. So funny. Uh, this machete... Uh, came from my mother. <laughs> I thought to myself, yeah, right. I, yeah, I thought, uh, hey, you know, I need a machete. Who should I text? And I was like, oh, mom, obviously. <laughs> hey, mom, you still got the machete? She's like, which one? <laughs> the one we can't get fingerprints on or the other one? I was like, well, how about the other one? So here's actually the example that I want to show you. And now I'm actually a little nervous, but let me put this down and cut this. I was going to bring somebody out and be like, put this on your head and we'll figure it out. But, but let me just cut this a second. I, I have no idea how this thing works, but here we go. Yeah, I almost grabbed it like that. You see that? That that's like, be careful. All right. So we did it. All right. So here's the lesson. Okay. This is the apple. You're going to get a little lesson. We're actually homeschooling our kids. And so let me put on my teacher cap for you. I don't teach him anything. Just does. But anyway, <laughs> Here's what, he, yeah, thanks to, Scott. Here's what he said. We don't have time to banter or I'd do it with you, but we don't. We literally don't. We should be ending right now. But uh, <laughs> that's the best. I think we're going to give that service a word of the year for 19. You got it in right at the end, which is fine. But all right. So, uh, and so here's the deal. So this is an apple. All right. And so obviously on the outside of an apple, you have the skin. And so here's how we're called to do relationships with people. Here's how you're called to have relationships is, first of all, I, I want us to walk away from here knowing this, that we're called to be in every person's life. Uh, we are called to love every person of every kind of every lifestyle. Can I get an amen? And so that's what we are. We're, we're not going to hide out. We're not going to isolate. We're going to love people no matter what. But then there does become a conversation about who you let on the inside who you let really close. I believe the skin, uh, acquaintance level, connection level, you're there for people you can be around, but it becomes another conversation about what begins to happen on the inside. Are you with me? Yeah. Because here's the thing with the inside. The inside is called the core. And on the inside, the core here, it has seeds and it has things that begin to produce. So they're on the inside and they're protected by the core. The core matters. So your core matters. If we're going to start to talk about boundaries and having healthy relationships, it's important for you to know that you do have to protect the core because a lot of things are produced from the core. Um, this last winter, um, I had a very like um, inactive winter. And so when summer came and it was time to ride dirt bikes and load things in and out of trucks, I realized like I had really lost my core, my ability to like pick up things and move them and still hold them. I mean, I was like calculating how I would pick, you know, like the using the knee thing to try to... I lost my core. Eli, he, he runs a CrossFit gym right here. If you're looking to get into a great gym, hit him up. He's over here going like, bro, you haven't had a core in 10 years. But anyway, <laughs> for my sermon, for the sake of my sermon, let me say it this way. I lost it over the winter. And uh, it was just, it was a harder struggle at 37 for me on some of the things I can normally do without a, I just realized, like, oh, I feel a little more gassed. Like I feel a little more. And what was interesting about losing the core 
is my balance was off and my fatigue set in early and I, I was hindered in my ability to accomplish things because I had lost the core. Yeah. Let me say the same thing to you. In relationships, some of you have lost your core. You've let anybody into your life. Any kind of thinking, any kind of living, you've let them at the core. And the core has to be protected. Because if your core is wrong, you're going to be dizzy and unsettled and unstrengthened. You're not going to be able to accomplish what you're called to accomplish. Are you with me? Some of you have let so many seeds of negative things be put in your core. You've let every lie live and manifest and grow in your core. You say, well, that's how I was raised. That's what I believe. That's what everyone's ever said over me. No, you got to protect your core because from it, what you need to produce grows. Are you with me? I'll close with this. Your core matters. It absolutely matters what we do with our core. And so for you going forward, you have to make decisions about what you're going to let on the inside. Remember the outside. We love everybody. We're there for everybody. We'll do whatever. But some of the ways that th you think and some of the thoughts you let live in your core, you got to start protecting starting like yesterday. That's why the scripture says that you renew your thoughts, you renew your mind. It's always talking about protecting our heart. Why? Because that's the core. From it flows everything. Are you with me? Uh, you could say it this way when it comes to relationships at our core. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Oh, no, it's fine. We hang out with them, but we're different and it's fine. No, no, no. If you've let them in the core, that's where you're going. So the scripture says, you cannot be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever at your core. Why? Because they're going to steer you in a relationship joy killer. Amen. So for me, consider your core. Consider the first four points I said, but also at the end, you got to consider what are some things, what are some thoughts, what are some actions and behaviors that I've let be my core that I need to remove in order to be the relational person that I need to be. Because here's why. Here's why I think it ultimately matters above all those other things that I said, is I believe this. I believe when it comes to raising kids or, or being an example to the next generation, my opinion is that one of the greatest things you can give your kids is healthy relationship examples. If you can show your kids how to talk about the boss properly, you're doing an amazing job. If you can show your kids how to talk about leaders and officials and even your pastor in a healthy way, getting in the car, talking about... Let's model a healthy relationship in these areas. It's one of the greatest things you can give your kids. What about your marriage? The way you talk about your marriage in front of your kids, the relationship that you model in your marriage to your kids, got to get that right. It's one of the greatest things you can give your kids is a healthy marriage example. I don't have the time for that, but friendships are the other one. Let's show them what it is to have good friends, not fun friends. Obviously, you can have fun friends. But it's not about, oh, our showing our kids, oh, here's how you choose friends. The funnest, the most entertaining, the most... No, no, no. Let's show them what it's like to really have good friends and healthy... Are you with me? And John 13, 35 says this, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. So to the world, how will we know? How will the world know that we're truly disciples? It says, if you what? Love one another. If you get the relationship thing right, the unity thing right, if you're doing it right in relationships, the world's going to look at it and say, wow, look at the way they love one another. Hey, this this God thing's got to be real. Amen. 
Relationships matter. We got to work on them. We can't avoid them. We can't isolate from them. We got to walk in the power of them. Amen.